Welcome back to Microfamous. I love this topic. Starting from scratch, a 90-day playbook to launch a new coaching consulting company, build influence fast, attract ideal clients, generate revenue, all that stuff. And uh, this comes about because I've been in a couple of partnerships of coaching consulting companies over the years. I've been in this position. Uh, a lot of clients of mine have been in this position or they've come off of this and, uh, and grown successfully enough to the point where they could launch a podcast and then realized, oh, shoot, I should have done that uh, very, very early on. And so we're going to talk about just what I would do kind of start to finish over the course of 90 days if I were helping somebody launch a brand new coaching consulting company. Uh, we'll talk about kind of what assumptions are underlying that. But remember, I come to this from the perspective of what actually creates demand for coaching and consulting professional services. I don't care about podcasting per se, like as its own art form or anything like that. What I really care about is using things like this tactics and strategies to generate demand for coaching and consulting. So back in 2015, I formed my first coaching training kind of partnership and we launched a podcast to support it. 18 months later, we were hosting a standing room only session at a major industry event. So I know what it's like to kind of launch a venture with no name recognition and get it growing uh, fast. It's not easy, but thanks to developments in podcasting and online marketing, it's easier than ever. The big challenge, I think, for any new coach or consultant is this. What big name people do now isn't what got them there. So in other words, we see them doing stuff like running ads and putting on big events, and like we think that's why they must have succeeded, and so we go out and copy that stuff. And often, the real story is that they're actually losing money on their events, losing money on their ads. Maybe they break even on their books or the low, low price products, and their real money comes from things you can't even see. So Gary Vee is a perfect example of this, right? His money doesn't come from the books you buy. In fact, a lot of the books that are bought, I guarantee you, that put him on the top of bestseller list are bought by companies as part of his speaking fee. So where he actually makes his money, and if he ever gets to buy the Jets, this will be the, this will be the thing that gets him there, is his $600 million agency, the agency that sells marketing services to huge companies. So at the end of the day, Gary Vee is in the business of professional services. He doesn't make his money by being an online influencer. The online influencer is what sells books and get him speaking gigs, and then that gets him in the door to sell professional services to big companies. Grant Cardone, it's sales training for companies, and now he's got real estate investments, of course, but he made his, his first money in, you know, obviously car sales, then training car salesmen, and then training salespeople in general, then selling sales training to bigger companies and all this stuff. So for a lot of coaching companies, things like events or low-priced products are lead generators. People will break even on the events, and then they only make money on coaching packages that are sold at the event or shortly after the event. A lot of times it's sold through boiler rooms of salespeople. There's, you know, there's questionable high-pressure sales tactics that we won't get into and all that stuff. So just know that a lot of what you see big-name people doing now isn't what got them there. It's not what you should be doing if you're just starting out, if you're not starting out with the same uh, resources that they have now. So before you imitate what you see others doing, I wanted to share a plan that would work for any new coach or consultant, regardless of your name recognition. So I want to start with some basic assumptions about you. You have a skill set that is both rare and valuable. You can apply that skill set to solve a big valuable problem for a, a certain type of person. And you have some capital. Let's say you've got 5K that you can put into this new venture. And you have either an assistant now, or you have at least the ability to, to hire one. And I'm not talking about like a, a full-on integrator or an executive assistant that's here in, the, in your home country or whatever. This could be just someone that makes 10 bucks an hour in the Philippines, but you have at least the ability and the willingness to hire someone to help you. You're not going to be a completely lone wolf in this. So those are my basic assumptions. Um, we could go into all the reasons why, but if you, if you pick up a copy of Microfamous, you'll see why 
you know, we talk about having the ability to solve a big, valuable problem and who to find the right type of person that has the money to pay for that. So that's probably the most interesting part of that, those whole assumptions that I just made. And hopefully you're starting from a place where you do have some sort of skill set that's rare and valuable, because if you don't, then you shouldn't be starting a coaching or consulting business. The end goal is to take a skill set that you have and use it to impact people in a positive way and make money in the process. If you're just starting a coaching consulting company and you're not sure what your rare and valuable skill set is, then you're not at square one yet. You're kind of back in the deciding what business to start. Because if you don't have a rare and valuable skill set to apply that you can use to solve a big valuable problem, the bottom line is the coaching consulting is going to be very difficult for you. So I wouldn't recommend that you go into it until you have a rare and valuable skill set and the ability to solve a big valuable problem for a certain type of person. So to me, those are the most important things. Then you have capital and the ability or willingness to hire someone to help. So if you have those things in your favor, uh, I'm going to give you my first controversial opinion here, which is don't even worry about a website. Do not set up a bunch of social media accounts. Just get started. For a website, maybe at the most you set up a one pager, but odds are it's completely unnecessary. It's definitely unnecessary to get your first five high paying clients. Same for social media accounts. You know, things have changed so radically just in the last couple of years that it now takes a ton of time and effort to build a new social media account from scratch, especially if you sell in the B2B space. Now, if you're a Eastern European tall blonde sprinter, uh, by all means, go start an Instagram account. Uh, but if you're selling B2B services and you're a normal human being and your skill set is selling ideas, you know, so starting up a new Instagram account is probably not going to go super well for you. So for both of these, like the website and the social media, in my opinion, the time that you and resources you would take uh, to build those things are better spent elsewhere. So here's what I would recommend. Let's start with month one. This is to hit the ground running, generate revenue, get it as profitable as possible, as quickly as possible and set yourself up for a wide range of options in your first year. We're starting with month one. Here's the first thing. Create one offer that appeals to one type of person who's in the most valuable slice of the market. Create one offer for one type of person in the most valuable slice of the market. What I would not recommend is going after the mainstream in your industry first. And to me, this is the mistake that a lot of people make when they get into coaching or consulting. They go, hey, I'm making you know, six or seven figures in my mortgage business or my recruiting business. And they go, great, I want to teach other loan officers or agents or executive recruiters how to do the same thing that I do. So let's create a 297 product and let's get a whole bunch of people to buy it. Okay, great. How big is your email list? 2000 people not going to work. So don't go after the mainstream first. The mainstream needs a lot of social proof, they need testimonials, they need track record. It's better to go straight to the higher level influential early adopters first, in my opinion. Those are the ones that are actually the most open to new ideas and new ways to solve their problems anyway. And the assumption that we started with that you have a skill set that can be applied to solve a big valuable problem for a particular kind of person, just create the offer for them and nobody else and keep working on that offer until it's absolutely irresistible to that influential early adopter type crowd. So that'd be my first step. Second step in month one would be to work your network to get booked on some podcasts where you can share your story and make an offer. Guess who's listening to industry podcasts to stay ahead of the game and look for new solutions to the problems? Uh, the influential early adopter crowd. So go where they're hanging out. If you're connected in the industry, reach out to people directly uh, and just ask them a simple question. Hey, I'm looking to get on a few podcasts. I'm going to share my background story and give the audience some practical steps to solve X, Y, Z in their, in their business. Do you know of any podcasters who might be interested in having me on their show? Very, very simple. That's something you could easily send out to everyone in your close uh, sphere of influence in, in your business network. And you're going to generate some opportunities that way if you actually do have a rare and valuable skill set. So that would be the, the second step. Here's a third step I would recommend in month one. 
Once you exhaust your network for intros and referrals to podcasters, then you would have your assistant start working on a list and just pitch you cold to podcasts that you can't get connected to through your network. So depending on how well connected you are, you might get five to 10 podcast appearances kind of in the pipeline, just based on your own relationships and people that uh, have introduced you to podcasters that are friends of theirs. Either way, you're going to exhaust your network at some point and you need to expand. But to me, like building a list and reaching out cold to podcasters is way below the pay grade of anyone who's worth their salt in coaching or consulting. So I would recommend having someone else do that. That's why I recommend having an assistant, even if it's just a $10 an hour person in the Philippines, a virtual assistant, have them do that. All you need is somebody that's smart and capable who can write well and send a nice email to podcasters. Uh, by the way, in the fast track, we have all the templates for that, as well as the training that, that you can literally send somebody through. Um, so if you don't have the ability to just tell them, Hey, do this and write up an email for them, just grab the fast track. It's on there for you. So that's the third step. Here's the next step. Start working on your own podcast behind the scenes. That means running a design contest for the artwork, asking your email list or your sphere of influence for feedback, picking out your title for the podcast, you know, working up some ideas for taglines, you know, just start laying the groundwork. It doesn't have to be perfect. You can always rebrand later as you get more clarity. In fact, in the beginning with a new podcast for someone who is new into coaching and consulting, go for something that's extremely clear and direct, not something that's clever or branded. And that is controversial and it's going to go counter to a lot of what you would probably feel and want to do because you want to start something that's super personal and linked with your identity and clever and branded and all that stuff. Resist that urge, especially with your very first podcast, do something that's extremely clear. I got lucky in this sense that when I launched my first show, we just called it Real Estate Uncensored because it was about real estate. And he and I, were we knew we were going to be just banter and, and funniness and, uh, and a little crude. So it, it literally says it all in the title. If, it's, if you're a real estate agent and you come across a show called Real Estate Uncensored, it was very clear, uh, even from the title, kind of what you were getting into. So that's kind of what you want. You don't need something super clever. You want something super clear. So then the next step is to reach out to the people that you've identified as ideal clients, that, that particular kind of person in your market that you can sell to, and just invite them to be a guest on your podcast. The podcast doesn't have to be launched yet. It doesn't have to be live. You don't even have to have the artwork picked out yet. All you have to do is just keep it very, very personal when you reach out. Keep it very informal. Since it's a new podcast, what you're going to focus on when you reach out to somebody is the quality of the conversation you're going to have. Not how many people you have on your email list, not how big the podcast is, right? That Those kinds of things can come later. So when you're pitching somebody on coming as a guest on a brand new show, what you're focusing on is the quality of the conversation, the interesting things that they're going to get to talk about, maybe the things that you're going to give them a chance to share that they haven't shared elsewhere. In industries where podcasting isn't as well known yet, just giving an opportunity to share their story can be novel and interesting enough to get them to say yes. Now, in bases where there's a ton of podcasts and maybe these people have been on a ton of shows before, then you'd want to focus on helping them share something they haven't been able to share before. So either way, you're focusing on the quality of the conversation. I have found very, very little pushback when I reach out to people to come as a guest on a brand new show. All it comes down to is how well positioned it is and the pitch being clear. I have very, very few people that come back to me and then say, hey, how many listeners do you have? How big is your email list before I say yes? Very, very few. So start reaching out. Reach out to the people that you feel like you can sell to and get them as guests on the podcast as quickly as possible. That's the last step in month one. Start recording episodes ASAP. So what you want to do is you want to include your offer, which is basically tailor-made for the person you're interviewing. And you just kind of naturally tell people about that offer in the course of recording the episode. So you can do it in the middle. You can do it at the end. 
It doesn't really matter. All you care about is the audience will hear it and the guest hears it. So that gives them a chance that if they're interested in what you offer, if they have that problem that you solve and they're interested in the new way to solve it, obviously they're probably going to ask you afterwards, like, hey, you mentioned you do X, Y, Z, and I actually have that problem. Tell me a little bit more about how you guys do that. And if you've got a good offer, they're going to want to talk more about it. If you don't have a good offer, then maybe not. But if you've got the right offer and it's an interesting way, it's a different approach to solving a problem that they have, they're probably going to want to know more about it because they have that problem. So this is also a big reason not to spend months obsessing over your podcast name if you're just starting out because it's better to put out something that's just super clear, easy to say you know, yes to if they're a guest, and then start having these conversations because they can lead directly to early sales. Now, once you've got six or 12 months of podcasting under your belt, then maybe you shift the focus to building an audience and even rebrand the show if it's needed. So, so far, all of this has taken place in month one. You've reached out to podcasts. You have pitched yourself as a guest. You've looked for opportunities to be introduced to other podcasters. You've maybe had an assistant build a list and reach out to some people cold. And then you've started working on your own podcast. You've invited people on. You've started recording episodes behind the scenes. All of that can absolutely be done in the very first month if you're not distracted by doing things like setting up a new Instagram account or building a whole new website. So that's my approach on that. So that's month one. You actually talk to real people who can pay you money within the first 30 days. All right, let's move on to month two. That is the month where you launch your podcast and your hopefully your assistant or an agency like ours uh, would be doing the bulk of the behind the scenes work. So you're showing up, having the conversations, and hopefully somebody else is doing the editing, the posting, the submitting to Apple, like all of that stuff. Um, if you want to have your assistant do it, all the training for that and the templates and the systems that we use are in the fast track. If you want to hire an agency to do it, that's what we do for a certain type of person. So you can reach out to us about that. But either way, you should not be doing the back end work. I don't care how you get it done, but however you get it done, you should not be doing all the work on your podcast. So you should be focusing on having as many conversations for the podcast as possible because the conversations can lead directly to sales. That's your best role. Hire out everything else. So second thing in month two that I would recommend is work your network to get help promoting your podcast launch. This applies especially to social media where you're not spending a lot of time. Let others talk about your podcast on social media for you. Word of mouth is always going to beat every other form of marketing, especially in high trust sales like coaching and consulting. So reach out to anyone in your network who has influence in your space and ask them in advance if they'd be willing to share your podcast with their audience when it launches. Talk up the guests that you're going to feature, talk up the mission of the show, and basically get them to say, that sounds awesome. Yes, I will share it when it comes out. Then on the day your podcast actually goes live and you want to promote it, send them a reminder message with some text to help them share your podcast with their audience. So that is one of the most important things you can do. We've done a lot of stuff to launch podcasts, and that single thing is the most effective thing I've ever seen. So it's, it's essential. Now, if necessary, and if you have the capital, absolutely spend a little bit on ads or whatever, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, whatever, maybe even Spotify. I know some people that claim to have some good luck there with Spotify ads. Um, so if you don't have a large email list and you're, you're really unknown in your space to where you don't have a lot of influencers that you can pull on, then maybe take some of your capital and put it into ads for your podcast. Now, odds are it's probably not going to grow your list by leaps and bounds, but it will at least create awareness of the show in your industry, and that can make it easier to get guests because the people that you're reaching out to may have already been exposed to your podcast through the ads that they have seen or heard. So that in month two, it's really about launching the podcast, getting it out there. And chances are the uh, podcast that you've reached out to and you've appeared on as a guest, those episodes are probably coming out in month two. So you'd want to be just promoting those and watching the results that comes from those come out. 
So now we move on to number three, month number three. So the first thing I would do in the third month is release a new episode of your podcast each week. So if you follow our weekly podcast formula, you're going to be putting out a combination of guest episodes, client success stories, and solo episodes. So you're not going to be doing a straight interview show because we found that uh, a combination of those types of episodes work together to create demand for coaching and consulting. If you just do interviews, you're going to shine a spotlight on somebody else all the time and people will go buy their stuff and not yours. So that's the first thing. Release a new episode every week and mix up the content and make sure you're doing some episodes where the spotlight is on you, what you sell. Okay. So then you're going to want to send those new podcast episodes to your email list at least every week. And when you send those episodes, also reference guest episodes that you've been featured on. So don't just send your email list, your, the episodes of your own show. Also send them episodes where you've been featured as the guest. Why? Because again, it puts the spotlight on you. And that's where you probably got to talk about what you do and your story and your offer. So you want to send all of that to your list. So then you want to become a connector in your space. That's the next thing I would focus on in month three is start working kind of your list of maybe potential prospects, people in your sphere of influence, the new people that you've met through podcasting, either being a guest or a host, whatever. And what you want to do is you want to sit down and look for ways to introduce them to each other, to add value and build your influence and reputation in your space. I think everyone has good intentions to build relationships, but most of us don't follow through on those intentions. Now, I solved that problem for myself by, by creating a relationship system to make sure that my team and I follow through. So from simple things like making sure that handwritten thank you notes go out with my assistant to you know, if we need to send somebody a, a physical copy of the Microfamous book to email follow-ups, sending a LinkedIn connection request, following up on that with a recommendation and an endorsement, just all those things that I felt like, you know, if, if I were doing this alone, here's the things that I would do if I had all the time in the world. We put that into a system and a lot of that stuff we were able to give to, um, to my assistant or other staff. So if you want to create your own system, great. If you want to just steal all my templates and the whole relationship system that I've built, all that's in the fast track as well, which brings us to the next thing, which is to look for sponsorship opportunities. So, and this is not for your own podcast. Your podcast is brand new. So you don't need to look for sponsors for your own show. What you want to look for is opportunities for you to put your offer on hyper-targeted podcasts in your industry. So start by looking at which guest episodes from you, that you've been featured on uh, seem to produce the most results and got the most people reaching back out to you and maybe look at sponsoring their show, or just reach out to uh, the podcasts that are big on your space, you know, big in, in your space where, the, where your ideal clients are listening to them, and just reach out to them and see, hey, you know, do you accept sponsors? Or are you open to kind of co-marketing? And, uh, and just see what they say. They may, they may come up, they may ignore it, they may come out and say no, or they may come out and say, yeah, it's five grand. You go, okay, great, we'll, we'll maybe someday. It doesn't matter. I mean, just reach out and see if they're open to it and if they do have something arranged. So if you can get your offer onto very, very targeted podcasts in your space within 90 days, that's a huge win. Because you got to remember, if you're creating an offer that's for the most influential, well-connected, early adopting people in your space, the most valuable slice of people in your space, they're the ones that are the most likely to be listening to those podcasts. So if you're selling to them and you're not trying to sell to the masses who may or may not care enough about their own business to be listening to podcasts to make it better, then you're going to get the people that are, that are the right people for you. Odds are they're in that podcast audience. So to me, before you go start a, a YouTube channel, a, a, an Instagram account, all these other things that you could do to launch a coaching business, look at the world of podcasting, because if you construct an offer 
for the influential early adopter crowd, they're the ones that are the most likely in the audience for all those podcasts. And you start by being a guest, and then you can expand by looking for opportunities to sponsor or co-market with podcasts in that space to make sure that the, your offer is, is put in front of that audience more consistently. So those are the things that I would do. That's my, uh, my recommendation for months one through three. And throughout this whole thing, I've mentioned a couple of resources. First is our done-for-you podcast launch and production service, so you can learn more about that. Uh, you just go to getmicrofamous.com. You scroll up to the bottom. There's a video there that explains it with a link to grab a call to learn more and brainstorm your idea. Second is the Microfamous Fast Track, which gives you the entire Microfamous system and all the tools, templates, and shortcuts to execute it yourself with an assistant. As I've mentioned, it works best then. Uh, you can check that out at getmicrofamous.com and just click on Fast Track so that's easy. I've helped people execute versions of the strategy for over five years before it, it, the system really had a name. And so I know it works. I've seen it work for myself. I've seen it work for clients. Uh, to me, it's far more proven than other strategies like booking random speaking gigs or running online summits or Facebook ads to a funnel, which, you know, it's debatable how, how that even works for 90% of, of the market. So not that those things aren't valuable, they all have their place. But if you are starting with, you know, low to little name recognition, and you want to hit the ground fast, this is the strategy that I would recommend. It'll put you on the phone, uh, on a podcast or on a Zoom with people that can hand you a check within 30 days, it will keep you in front of them. It'll allow you to build an email list and build real relationships with those people behind the scenes and consistently get you in front of your audience of the people that are the most likely to want to buy from you by getting you on the podcast that they are listening to, which is where people right now are looking for the solutions to problems in their business. So that's what I've got for you today. How to start from scratch the uh, the 90 day playbook to launch a new coaching consulting business. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did enjoy it, uh, go leave a, a rating for the podcast. Um, it's really helpful for the algorithm, just kind of gives the show credibility, lets people know that uh, that other people enjoy it. So social proof there uh, helps put the show in front of more people. And of course, any review that you leave is much appreciated. I read every single one. It's always a great thing to do to show public appreciation for the people that are influential. I know it's easy to forget and I forget, but I've been making a point to show the people that influence me how much they influence me by leaving reviews either for their book on Amazon or for their podcast on on Apple because it is important and uh, and I do want to show the people that I care about that have had a big influence on me that I appreciate them and that's one of the easiest and best ways to do it in this online world that we live in so so go do that make sure that you do it not just for my show but for other shows and for other books that have had an influence and an impact on you because one of the best ways that you can say thank you to the thought leaders that have had a big impact on your life so I'll leave you there. Let's talk next week. I appreciate your time and attention. I value it highly and we'll talk to you then.